0: Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us us victory, the victory, the victory through Through our Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And welcome back into the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway, and usually I'm joined by my two main men, Max Keen and Jonathan Krause. But today, it's just going to be me. We had some scheduling conflicts as the semester is starting to get up and running again, and we just weren't able to, to match our times once again. But as you guys know, we always make it a priority to get you guys a podcast. So I wanted to talk about something today that is really pressing on my heart, something that has been pressing on the heart of the nation and has been pressing especially on the heart of Of Christians in the nation over the past week, um, about a week now, and so I'm going to talk about what is happening in Afghanistan. But I'm going to talk about it in the context of how we as Christians can deal with evil and wickedness in the world, how we should understand it, how we should react to it, and what God's call for Christians in the midst of evil is. So before we get into it, we should look at what is happening in Afghanistan in the first place. So for those who don't know, on August 15th the Taliban officially took over the country in Afghanistan. And this was something that was a few days in the working. Uh, They, in 10 days, were able to take over the entire country. The official president of Afghanistan fled and the Taliban was able to take over the country. This comes less than a month before the United States was planning to evacuate its final troops from the country. Which means that there are thousands of Americans still in the country, as well as thousands of foreigners from other countries who are still in Afghanistan waiting for some way to get out. They are trying to get to the airport, but the Taliban have created a circle around the airport and have tried to prevent people from getting in and out of the country using the airport, which makes things much more difficult. So. Right now, we are facing a situation that seems very hopeless. It's a situation that has a lot of unknowns, a situation that we are constantly trying to understand. It's constantly evolving, and every single day, there is more information coming out. I heard a news report where they were interviewing a local Afghani man, and he said that you know usually you can kind of tell and predict what's going to happen in the next month, or the next year, He couldn't even predict what was going to happen the next minute because of how fast things are progressing and because of how crazy things have become since the Taliban took over. So that is essentially what's happening right now. And one thing that I've been encouraged by is seeing and hearing how many churches around the country have really been reacting to this. How many churches around the country have taken this news and brought it before the congregation in prayer. Uh, Personally, I was at a young adult's luncheon after church on August 15th when we got the news that the Taliban had surrounded the airport and were preventing uh, thousands of civilians from getting out of the country. And what we did was we dropped everything and just came together and had a time of prayer, which I I wasn't alive during 9-11. Uh, it's, it's been a long time since I can remember any time that the church has, or churches all over the country have kind of dropped what they were doing just to pray for a situation as it was unfolding. So that was really encouraging to me, just to see in this world where there's so many things to divide us, there's so many things to push us apart and push us away from each other, uh, especially within the church, there's so many factions and so many disagreements that have come up. It's cool to see one thing that brings us together and gives us the unity that Christ intended for his church to have, The, the unity that Christ wanted all of his followers to have, and that we could come together in such a time as this and just pray. Just bring these requests before the Lord together as a body. I think that, that it's such a cool thing to see. And it's it's one of the coolest things that I've seen that's been birthed out of this terrible situation. That even in the midst of evil and wickedness, we're able to turn to God first. So that's kind of where I want to go next with this, is why would God allow this kind of thing to happen? That we as the church... Um, we're followers of Christ, and, you know, God has chosen us. He has chosen us to be in his family. So why would he allow fellow church members in Afghanistan to be going through this type of evil? If if, if God was truly good, people might ask, why would he ever allow something like this to happen? Why would God allow evil in this world, especially evil in this form that kills so many innocent people, and so many innocent Christians. Now, when we ask this question, I think that we're coming at it from the wrong perspective. We're coming at it from the perspective of, if I was God, what would my world look like? Would I allow evil? And I think that whenever we get into the, if I was God, state of mind, we're really being prideful. We're putting ourselves in a position that we should not be in. We are trying to usurp God's power, when we have absolutely no right to do that. We are trying to look into the eyes of the, um, the Almighty and tell him that he's doing it wrong, which that's, it's just not our place. Scripture tells us that God is higher than we are, that his ways are higher than we are, and that we will never understand his ways. But it also tells us to faithfully believe his promises, such as the promise that we read in Romans eight twenty eight, which says, for those who love God, All things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, when the Bible says all things, it doesn't mean some things. It doesn't mean only the good things. It doesn't mean a very few, uh, very small selection of things. It doesn't mean most things. The Bible means all things. In Genesis chapter 50, we see kind of the conclusion of the story of Joseph. Joseph had had so many bad things and evil things happen in his life even though he lived a a relatively righteous life. And in Genesis chapter 50, it says that what man had intended for evil, God had used for good. So when we're entering this this period of trying to figure out why this is happening and, and why a good God would allow this to happen, the first thing we have to remember is that our God is faithful and our God is good. So if our God says that he's going to use something for good, then he's going to use it for good. And if we look at it and say, well, I don't see how he could use this for good, then we need to sit back, we need to be patient, and we need to allow God to work. Because not all the good is going to be something that we can see in our lifetimes. Sometimes the good comes tens or hundreds or thousands of years later. We don't have the ability to track that. But we have the ability to have faith that God is good and that he will be faithful to his word. So when I was thinking about this situation, one story from the Bible in particular stood out in my mind, and that's the story of Habakkuk. So Habakkuk is a prophet. He's a minor prophet in the Bible, and his book is only three chapters long. Now, this book, I think it directly applies to what's happening in Afghanistan today, because the book of Habakkuk is one of a prophet asking God Why he allows evil and wickedness to prevail in this world. Specifically, the people of Israel were about to be taken over, were about to be uh, destroyed by the Babylonians, which was an evil people group at the time. Now, they were about to be destroyed by the Babylonians, and Habakkuk was simply asking God, Why? Why are you going to allow your people to be taken over like this? You have promised to be good to your people, yet you are allowing an evil force to reign and to take power over them. And this is the same situation we see in Afghanistan today. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who are in this country, and they're having to face the evils that the Taliban is bringing about. They're having to face the the worshipers of a false god and the fruits of their labor. They're having to face sin in one of its finest forms. Now, why would God allow this to happen? Well, let's look at the book of Habakkuk. Let's see what Habakkuk asks, and then let's see how God responds. So in the first, well, I guess in, in verses 2 through 4 of the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk asks his first question. He asks God why, how long he has to point out violence and how long they have to suffer through this until God is going to respond. And God answers, look among the nations and see, wonder, wonder. And be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. So, this is the beginning of God's answer. He says, I'm doing something that even if I told you what it was, you still wouldn't believe it. That is how high and mighty our God is. That is how great and powerful our God is. He does things that are so great that even if he told them to us, we wouldn't understand that his plans are so beyond our comprehension that even if he tried to explain it to us, we wouldn't be able to grasp it. God is amazing. We serve an awesome God. So this is, this is God's answer to Habakkuk's first question. He says, I am using this people to accomplish one of my purposes. And even though they're evil in the moment, I'm using them to accomplish my purpose. Now, don't lose heart. Because these people will face their punishment. Everybody has to be accountable for his or her sins. So there's no group of people that's going to get by having performed evil without the covering of Christ. But God still uses what people intend for evil to bring about good in this world. So then Habakkuk asks a second question. He, in verses uh, one twelve to one, he essentially asks God, Why he must use evil and wicked people to bring about his purpose. When there's so many less evil and less wicked nations out there that God could be using. Why must he use the most evil of the evil? And then God, he he responds again. And he responds in a very similar manner to when Job was questioning why God allows evil in the world. And God said, were you there when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when I formed all of this? Where were you? When I was in the beginning creating this world, he was showing Job that Job had no right to ask God those questions, that Job had no authority to question God's plan. And in the same way, God, he tells Habakkuk, uh, specifically in in chapter 2, verse 3, he says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, and it will not delay. Like, how cool of a promise is that? He's saying, if if my purposes aren't happening fast enough for you or in the right way for you, then you know what you should do? You should wait. How can we wait on this? Now, when I, when I say this, I am not trying to say that, that the United States should not take any action. I'm not saying that we should sit back and just let God work and not do anything in this world. But we as Christians, when we're looking at evil and wickedness in the world, we have to have faith. We have to persevere with faith to the end. We have to remember that God promises to be a faithful and good and just God. So if we see something that seems unjust or or seems um, like God just should not be allowing it to happen, then we ought to wait. Ought to wait on God's timing, ought to wait to see who God is and how he's working in the situation. So, of course, he will use human means to accomplish his purpose. He will use uh, the United States military, the, the other militaries that are trying to evacuate their people from the country. He will use them as tools in his plan. But we as Christians are not to sit here and question God in moments like this. We are to wait on God, to wait on his purpose, and to see how his Glory is brought about in this situation. So, that is what that's the answer to why God would allow something like this to happen. Because whenever evil happens in the world, God is sovereign, He is in control, and He is using it for a purpose of His. Now, this is not to say that God is responsible for the evil in this world. We are responsible for the evil that we commit. God is not in the slightest responsible for evil. But what he does do is he uses our evil to accomplish his purposes. He's able to take what we intend for evil and use it for good. How awesome is that? How great of a God do we serve? So now that we've talked about what's happening in Afghanistan and and why it may be happening or why God would allow evil in a form like this, Now we get to the application part. We ask ourselves, how can we respond to a situation like this? How are we as Christians called to respond when there's evil and wickedness rising up in the world? So there are some very clear ways to respond, and I think that the biggest thing we can do is pray. We can pray to God. We can pray that that his will be done in this situation, because we're reminded in the book of 1 John that if we ask anything according to his will, that it will be granted to us. So we can ask, like Jesus did in the Lord's Prayer, that God's will be done. But we can also pray for the people, specifically the people who are in this situation in Afghanistan, the people who are in the country, the people who are going in to help them, the people of the Afghani church. Uh, We can pray for everybody, even the Taliban. Now, this is this is not a popular opinion, but it's a scriptural opinion. So in first in Timothy chapter two, verse one, it says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. So Paul is writing to Timothy, encouraging him to pray for all people. Now, just like I was talking about with Romans 828 earlier, When the Bible says all people in this context, it doesn't mean most people. It doesn't mean some people. It doesn't mean a handful of people. It means all people. So we are to pray for every person in this situation. Now, if you're still thinking to yourself, man, I'm comfortable praying for the church, and I'm comfortable praying for the civilians, and I'm comfortable praying for the military, I'm just not comfortable praying for the Taliban, then let me read this verse for you actually a, a series of verses from Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 to 45 just just listen to what Jesus has to say in this passage he says you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and and on the unjust. So the Bible is telling us that when God works in this world, he's going to work using the good and work using the evil. But we are not called to only pray for the good. We are not called to be partial or to be biased in our praying. We are called to pray for all people equally. And if you're still not convinced that we should pray for our enemy, that we should pray for people who persecute us, Just look to Jesus. When Jesus was physically nailed to a cross, literally hours from his death, he prayed to the Lord. He didn't ask for deliverance. He didn't ask that everybody who believed in him would would be uh, encouraged. He didn't ask that the good people in the world would succeed. He asked for God to forgive. He asked for God to forgive those who were persecuting him, for they knew not what they do. So when we pray, let's pray for the church. Let's pray that God gives them unity in this time, that God gives them strength, that God gives them perseverance, and that God uses them for good. Now, when we pray, we want to make sure that we're praying scripture, because If we try to pray things that are not in Scripture, then we fall in a very serious danger of of putting our own interests above those of God. But if we pray Scripture, then we know that we're praying according to the will of God. So we pray, like I said, for the church to have strength and unity in this time. We pray that God would work this situation for good and bring about His glory in this situation. We pray that God would use the evil circumstances, to bring about good. That even even no matter how hard it seems, that God would do that. But we don't, just because we're praying for the Taliban does not mean that we're praying for them to succeed. We should pray for their salvation, because the Bible says that God does not desire that any should perish. God's heart desires for people to be with him and to be in right relation with him. So we can pray that each and every member of the Taliban would come to right relation with God. We can also pray that people in Afghanistan, whether Taliban or civilian, would learn to abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good, as we read in Romans 12.9. And we can pray that the people in Afghanistan and the people around the world would, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need, as we read in Hebrews 4.16. We can also pray, as Romans 12.12 says, that people around the world and people in Afghanistan would rejoice and hope that they would be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. But most importantly, we should pray this. We should pray what Jesus prays in Matthew 6.10 your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, as we're thinking about this situation and praying about this situation, we want to make sure that we have an appropriate heart posture toward God. God is amazing, he is enthroned in glory, and he is our heavenly father. But just because he is our heavenly father does not mean that we should criticize him as we may when our Father messes up, our earthly Father. Because our Heavenly Father does not mess up. Our Heavenly Father never makes a mistake. We ought to come before Him with the heart that He has put inside of us, the the heart of reverence and humility, a heart that puts ourselves in right relation to God, and that we see ourselves in the proper position related to who He is and how He loves us. So, I want to close out this episode by talking about what Habakkuk came to. The conclusion that he came to after he asked God these questions and got answers directly from the mouth of God. So if you remember, Habakkuk was looking to God and asking, why do you allow evil and wickedness in this world? Why are you using evil nations to bring about your purpose? Why, why, why? And God gives him answers. God's answer is, be patient. You don't understand what I'm doing, but I am working for my purpose. And when Habakkuk got that answer, you might think, he's like, that doesn't answer what I wanted to be answered. But instead, Habakkuk said this, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's, He makes me tread on my high places. So let that be our heart posture as we go before the Lord in this time. And not only in this time, but in any difficult time that we face in our lives, that, that we see other Christians facing in their lives. Let us go before the Lord with a heart posture of rejoicing, because we ought to rejoice in the God we serve because of his love, his grace, his mercy, and his continued faithfulness to us. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. Uh, I hope that I was able to bring you some value. I hope that God was able to speak through me and that you really understood something from God's word that you may not have, have seen or have known before this. I pray that God is using this episode to help encourage you guys and give you direction on how you should pray and how you should think about the situation in Afghanistan. Uh, as always, thank you guys for being here. It's, it, this would not be possible without you guys. If you would like to have a conversation, if you if you have any questions or anything, please feel free to email us at questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. You can also reach me at christian at livingvictorypodcast.com. Or you can reach either of the other two hosts at Max or Jonathan at livingvictorypodcast.com. We really love having conversations with you guys. We love having listener-requested episodes. We love building community because that's what we want to do here. Here, we want to make sure that we're building a community of people who keep their eyes on Christ. A community of people who keep each other accountable and who, in moments like this, difficult moments, are able to come together for the purposes of God. Are able to come together in prayer and humility and correct heart posture to God and pray and, and give supplication and ask God for things. So this episode has been really encouraging for me. I, I as I was thinking about the Afghanistan thing and I was reading the book of Habakkuk just this week, you know that's that's a God thing. Uh, I really saw the connection there and I wanted to share that with you guys. So I'm glad that I got the opportunity to, and I hope that, uh, I hope that you guys are able to draw some value out of it. So I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode and as always love each other and shine your light.